So hey guys, we're back with another podcast, and today we have John Bosnecker. Um, I always feel like, is that John Bosnecker, right? Correct. Okay, I always feel like I get it wrong. And we have John Bosnecker, and we're going to be talking about Frederick Nolan. And I never had the chance to meet Frederick Nolan or even speak to him. Um, unfortunately, I'm a latecomer to Western history, as many of you are or or already do know Frederick Nolan, but unfortunately, uh, I'm a latecomer to it, and I never had a chance to meet or talk with him or really dig into what he's about. And so I reached out to John, and I said, hey, I want to do a, a podcast about Frederick uh, Nolan, Fred Nolan. Uh, who would I, you know, who's the best? And, and John said, you know, he says, I, I had a great relationship. I would love to share my stories about Fred and, and his amazing life and his amazing work in Western history, including his personal life, not just his personal life, but the other books he wrote that had nothing to do with Western history. He just, when I was digging into his story, it's just a phenomenal story. And so we have John here. And of course, John is a fabulous writer. Um, if I lie, I would be lying if I said that I wasn't a huge fan. Uh, he's written uh, Ride the Devil's Herd about Devil, uh, Wyatt Earp and the uh, uh, the Cowboys in Cochise County, fantastic book. I've read it a couple of times now. Wildcat, The Untold Story of Pearl Heart, that's out now. Uh, it's a phenomenal book. You can get it at booksellers near you. My personal favorite, uh, and we're going to do a podcast about it, When Law Was in the Holster, The, the Frontier Life of Bob Paul. I'm going to mess this one up, and I'm hoping he's going to correct me. Bandito, Life and Times of Tubuth. Tiburcio, Tiburcio Vasquez. Correct. Oh, oh, that's that's a win. You got it my... right, but you're in you're in Arizona. You shouldn't have too much trouble with those uh, Spanish names. No, no, Tiburcio. I wasn't sure if it was Tiburcio Vasquez. I had that one. Um, another one that I've read was actually the very first one that I read uh, was Shotguns and Stagecoaches. I've read that a couple of times, and then I'm super excited. I don't know when the release date is. Um, hopefully I can get a signed copy from John and that's his new book about black Bart. Uh, when is that one supposed to release? Do you know? Uh, March of next year, March, 2023. You're going to make me wait. I was hoping you were going to say September. Um, but, uh, black, Bart, I can't wait for that one. Of course, I want to thank, um, I do this every time. I want to thank my friends over and especially Mark Boardman at the Tombstone Epitaph. And that's Arizona's longest running newspaper. Um, it is getting Western history right to your door on a monthly basis. It's about 20 pages and it's just jam packed with Western history. Uh, one year is 25 bucks, two is 45 and three years is 60. Get the three year subscription and you save $15 overall. And you can do that at tombstoneepitaph.com. Uh, also, uh, the Wild West History Association. Uh, I'm a member. John's a member. Roundup is coming up. I believe Fred was a member also. Um, yes. and yes, he was a member and, uh, I, it's the journal, uh, really it's, it's 75 bucks a year. And some people will say, Oh my God, Mike, that's so, so much money, but it's not, it really comes out to about $18 or so per journal. And it's a hundred plus pages of crammed, just jam packed, crammed history, no advertising, just a hundred percent pure provenance, just research, deep research. And um, you should join and become a, mem a member, and you can do so at wildwesthistory.org. So John passed, or not John, but Frederick passed away, um, I believe, what, 91 years old? He was 91, yeah. 91. And he passed away in June 2022, um, and immediately the accolades started pouring forward from people all over in Western history. He lived in England. I believe his passion was New Mexico history and the Lincoln Wars, uh, Lincoln County Wars. And and you had just a fantastic relationship with Fred. What, what type of man was he? <clears throat> well, Fred was just uh, a lot of fun, uh, incredibly intelligent, and he had these uh, huge variety of interests in life. 
And I first met him uh, in the 90s when, through my mutual friends, Bob Bozbell, who's the editor and owner of True West magazine, and Bob McCubbin, who was one of the leading historians on the history of the Southwest and had the largest collection of outlaw lawman photographs in the country. And Bob passed a few years ago. But through both of them, I met Fred and uh, Bob Bell uh, put together these uh, uh, sort of get-togethers of uh, Western buffs and collectors and historians. And every year we'd get together and go visit uh, historical sites in the West. And Fred would join us. He'd fly from London and spend several weeks in the U.S. And he'd attend this group that Bob Bell called the Renegades. And that's how I got to be friends with Fred uh, Nolan. And I'm laughing not at the 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 part when he said Bob Bo's Bell because Bob has been instrumental with me for connecting me with people as much as you have. Um, it seems like everywhere we talk about Western history, Bob Bo's Bell shows up. Well, Bob has a huge energy and passion for the Old West. And he was sort of the driving force behind this renegades group. And uh, so on these trips uh, where we would uh, go to Tombstone or Lincoln County or, you know, on one occasion we went to Oklahoma, uh, Coffeyville, Kansas, uh, Tulsa, places like that. Uh, that's when I became friends with Fred and uh you know, we shared these interests, in particular English football, uh, which uh, I cringe at the term soccer that we use in the mm-hmm. U.S. because the U.S. And, uh, uh, and Australia are the only countries that even use that term. But Fred was actually a fanatic uh, soccer player like most boys in England are, uh, are today and were then. And uh, the stories that he told were really remarkable. And a couple that I remember in particular, uh, this would be during the Blitz in 1940 through early 42. So Fred would have been uh, 10 or 11 years old. And he and his uh, friends in the neighborhood, they'd all play football on the street, soccer. And uh, when the German planes, when they'd hear them coming, they'd all run and hide in the basements. And I'll never forget the the story that he told me that his friends were all playing and they'd sort of gotten to ignore the planes. But for some reason, this time, they all decided we better get off the street and run into the nearby basement. And there was all these loud explosions and everything. Uh, And when they came out, and this is in the, the neighborhood in Liverpool that he lived in, there's a massive bomb crater right in the in the middle of the street where they'd been playing football a few minutes beforehand. And so those uh, experiences, I think, were really pretty remarkable. He later became a professional player and was on a club in Liverpool. I can't remember which club it was. And, uh, you know, to... Uh, go onto the path of playing professionally. And this would be in the late 1940s. I was believe he was about 18 or 19 years old. And Fred was not a big guy. He was about five foot eight, 140 pounds. But for soccer, that's what you want. The smallest players are the fastest players, the smallest players. That's what's so wonderful about soccer is that you don't have to be big. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to be tall. You just need to be really, really fast and really, really skillful, which is what Fred was. So he played as a winger, which is an attacking player out wide on the pitch or the field. And he's bringing the ball down the field in this game when he's about 18. And uh, the opposing coach is getting angry because he's breaking through the defense. And he receives the ball after a number of these plays and the coach yells at one of the huge defenders to basically take him out. He used the English slang word at the time, which I can't remember what the word that Fred used. And the guy came in with a horrible tackle, 
uh, tore out his knee. Uh, they didn't have proper knee surgery back in the late 40s. And so they put it together as best he could. And his, that one uh, leg, I think it was his left leg, if I remember right, was about a half inch to an inch shorter uh, after the surgery when he recovered. He never played football again, and he walked with a pronounced limp the rest of his life. And uh, that was something that Fred just sort of threw up his hands. Uh, he wasn't bitter about it, but it certainly... Um, changed his life because instead of a professional footballer, he became an author, a book editor, and historian. And uh, that sort of uh, was a turning point, I think, in the late 1940s for Fred Nolan. As, as Fred progressed in, in the literature, he wrote many styles of books. He's known for his Western history probably more so than anything, but he wrote all sorts of books. Can you explain that? Like there was just, it, when I was researching him, I was blown away at all the different kinds of books that he wrote. Yeah. And I honestly, I'd known Fred probably five years. Uh, we were in Southern Arizona and he wanted to go visit a used bookstore in Bisbee and and everybody else was doing something else, so I wanted to go to the bookstore, too. So we're in the bookstore, and he pulls a novel off the shelf under, uh, you know, some name. I can't remember the name. And he said, what do you think about this? And I said, oh, I you know, I don't really read fiction. What What's that? And he goes, I wrote it. And I said, what the devil are you talking about? And then he told me that he'd written uh, many, many novels, different genres, not just westerns. Uh, and, uh, over the years, you know, he worked, uh, full time as a, as an editor for books and for publishing firms, uh, in, uh, he kind of, uh, worked in, in, in Acton Town, which is a neighborhood in London. It's west, probably like a, you know, 40 minute tube ride from central London going to the west. And he lived in North London. Uh, kind of north of the city of London, about a 45-minute car ride north. And so he uh, had written all these novels, and uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, one of them was uh, made into a film in 1978 called Brass Target. And I uh, remember that when the film came out, I had no idea... I'd actually seen a photograph of him sitting in front of a movie poster for Brass Target. And I said, what's that? And he goes, oh, that was the movie made out of one of my books. And honestly, I know very little about fiction. And I know very little about these uh, novels that he wrote other than what he had told me. And then later, in preparing for the talk today... I did what you did. I went online and saw that he had many, many novels. And these I'm not familiar with. What I'm familiar with are the books that he wrote, the factual history, the groundbreaking history he wrote about New Mexico, Billy the Kid, and the Lincoln County War. So let's talk about that then, because you have an Englishman, and I'm going to use, I'm going to mention Peter Brand who I, um, I, I'm glad I can call him a friend and pick up a phone and call him as you. And Peter has, lives all the way in Australia and writes amazing historical, factual books about lesser-known players, Texas Jack Vermillion, um, Perry Mallon. Uh, it just, you know, from Doc Holliday, just... Amazing books. And here we have a man who's living in England, and for some reason, he zeroes in on New Mexico, Lincoln County Wars, Billy the Kid. Uh, did he ever talk to you about that, about why that area of the entire United States, why he zeroed in on New Mexico and why he found it most fascinating? Um, yes, he he grew up like we all did. I mean, I was obviously uh, quite a bit younger than Fred, uh, but Fred grew up <clears throat> watching Western films in the 30s and 40s. 
and those are what got him hooked on the old west and uh he his research uh and this is something that's very uh interesting because uh a friend of mine uh the late bill seacrest who is the leading historian on outlaws and lawmen of frontier california used to always laugh and say that when a novelist turns to history it raises red flags and it often it does because there are uh you know these uh, novelists who then decide i'm going to write a historical book uh, but then they fill in the blanks with fiction and so uh in fred's case it was absolutely stunning for me to learn that he was a novelist because his books are heavily researched they're footnoted uh, they're filled with rare photographs and extraordinary uh, research. Uh, and so with Fred, he was able to separate the two genres, whereas many authors uh, who have uh, dabbled in both uh, Western fiction and Western nonfiction, uh, it is a red flag because often the uh, the books that are produced, uh, the historical books, are not reliable. And uh, with Fred, that is absolutely not the case. Matter of fact, Fred's books are uh, and will remain the fundamental works on Billy the Kid and the Lincoln County War. Which, I'm going to go back to Peter, because Peter Brand mentioned that he used multiple trips, to, you know, he would come to America multiple times, and then he had friends who were researchers like Gene Smith, and they would they would deep research. This was all before the internet. They would deep research. I would assume Fred did the same thing. He had friends here, and then he was also traveling from England to New Mexico or wherever he was researching to to really dig deep into it and get the factual true provenance story, correct? Yeah, and that's uh, um, used to be kind of surprising to me that, but uh, I tell everybody that this is uh, a uh, wake-up call to American historians because England produced the leading authority on the Lincoln County War, Fred Nolan, the leading authority on Wild Bill Hickok, uh, who's Joseph Rosa, who passed away, Joe passed away uh, some years ago. Uh, 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 Mike Bell, who's one of the leading authorities on Butch Cassidy and the Wild Bunch. Chris Penn, who is uh, one of the leading authorities on outlaws and lawmen of the Old West. And Chris lives in Norwich, England. And there's a bunch of others. I mean, there's Colin Rickards, uh, there's a number of others that I'm uh, forgetting off the top of my head. And uh, in each case, uh, these guys would uh, schedule, and I know in particular Joe Rosa and, uh, and Fred Nolan would take their vacations every year in the U.S. And their vacations would be a research trip. And... Uh, and Fred would come to New Mexico. He had friends all over the place. He'd come for two, three weeks and go all over the place doing research. And, and I'll give, uh, I'm going to get off topic slightly, but I'll, Please I'll do. let me just I like bring when you this do. up. Uh, so one of the uh, leading characters in the Lincoln County War was John Kinney. And Kinney is, in my book, Ride the Devil's Herd, I, I point out, and this is really not my research, but other writers before me figured this out, that Kinney was the genesis of what became the Cowboys, the huge gang of outlaws that uh, battled the Earp brothers and eventually uh, were, you know, annihilated by the Earp brothers, both in the so-called gunfight at the OK Corral and the Vengeance Ride or Vendetta Ride, in which Wyatt and his brothers <clears throat> and Doc Holliday and his other friends killed the leader, Curly Bill Brocious, broke up the outlaw gang, killed uh, six of them, uh, 
in both the uh, Tombstone Street Fight and the subsequent Vengeance Ride. And so the Cowboys had their genesis with John Kinney, who was a uh, sort of a remarkable character, very intelligent, but he, he formed this huge gang of organized cattle thieves. They would steal cattle all over New Mexico territory, ship them to El Paso, or drive them into El Paso where they'd be butchered and shipped out when the railroad was new. And uh, John Kinney also played a leading role in the Lincoln County War. Billy the Kid rode with his gang very briefly, then switched sides. Uh, John Kinney then was on the other side of the gang and took part uh, 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 on the other side of the Lincoln County War, and Kinney played a leading role. And so Fred, in his research, he tracked down John Kinney's granddaughter who lived in uh, Santa Cruz, California. And from her, he obtained these incredible photographs of John Kinney uh, with his uh, daughter, who'd be the mother of the the gal that uh, Fred met back in the 70s. And uh, this is the kind of research that he did. And John Kinney, later, he lived a long life. He died, in, I believe, around 1920, as I recall, lived in Prescott, Arizona. They called him Captain Kinney. He was one of the worst cutthroats in the history of the American Southwest. And communications were so bad that the people in Prescott uh, thought he was a retired Texas Ranger captain mm-hmm. instead of a cutthroat and murderer and thief who'd uh, been in prison twice. And so the family, uh, when Fred met them, I don't think had any idea about this background. They thought he was a reputable cattle dealer. They had photographs of him taken in Cuba during the uh, Spanish-American War when he was like a procurement agent for the U.S. Army. And... Uh, Those uh, photographs and other uh, items that Fred obtained with respect to John Kinney were just a small portion of the research that he did. And the first time that he really uh, did some incredible research was in the 1950s when he was very young. He was still in his 20s, and he'd read about John Tunstall. John Henry Tunstall, who was one of the leading characters in his death uh, uh, when he was, you know, supposedly being protected by Billy the Kid. Uh, His murder is what triggered the Lincoln County War. And so uh, Fred uh, knew he was from England. That was a very well-known fact that was in these various books that I think uh, Fred got interested in the Lincoln County War, the factual Lincoln County War, by reading uh, the book on Billy the Kid by Walter Noble Burns. And Walter Noble Burns was a very, very popular writer in the early 1930s. Within a short period of time, he cranked out uh, several hugely popular books. Uh, One was about Billy the Kid, uh, another one was about Joaquin Murrieta called The Robin Hood of El Dorado. And then the other one, hugely popular, uh, about Tombstone and about Wyatt Earp. And the book about by Walter Noble Burns about Billy the Kid was a huge bestseller. And it caused, you know, it, it was, it was uh, you know, made into various films, including The Left-Handed Gun with uh, Paul Newman. Uh, and so that book uh, triggered an interest in, in me as well. I mean, I read the Burns books when I was in high school and was just absorbed by this. And Fred had read them a generation earlier. And in there, he read about John Henry Tunstall, who was an Englishman. And then I can explain, if you like, kind of how that led to his interest in the Lincoln County War. Sure. I'm yeah. I'm like the regular l- listener. I'm sitting here enthralled. Well, <clears throat> this stuff is all starting to come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Fred, Fred and I have talked about this many times, but 
uh, the more I talk, the more I remember. But I'm actually holding his book, uh, The Life and Death of John Henry Tunstall, and uh, compiled, annotated, and edited by Frederick W. Nolan. And this came out in 1965. And this is just an unbelievable book. Fred managed to locate the descendants of Tunstall in England. They had all of his letters, his correspondence, his diary, his photographs. And what happened was Tunstall, uh, very briefly, came from a, a reasonably wealthy family, and he was given a certain amount of money. And he comes to the United States in the late 1870s, and he wants to start a cattle ranch. So he comes to California, and he first goes to the Northern California, and he finds out that, you know, cattle ranches are very expensive. And uh, he then goes down to Southern California, he goes to Ventura County, Santa Barbara County, which is, you know, total cattle cow right. country at that time mm -hmm. in the late 1870s and mid-1870s. And again, uh, the land, I can't remember the cost per acre, but he can't afford to buy very much with his uh, the money that he's got. And then he hears about New Mexico. And at this point, there is no railroad into Arizona or New Mexico until 1881. The only way to get to Arizona or New Mexico is by a stagecoach. Uh, and you can either go to Los Angeles and take a stagecoach uh, from San Bernardino to Prescott, or you can take a train to Denver and take a stagecoach south or a wagon or a horse or something. But that's the only way to get to Arizona or New Mexico, and that's what he does. And by an incredible piece of bad luck, the last place in America any investor would want to end up in in the late 1870s is Lincoln County, New Mexico. Uh, because it's totally isolated. Uh, it's a society that's, you know, half uh, Latino, half Anglo at best, probably two thirds Latino. Uh, you know, the uh, most of the New Mexico territory is Latino, probably to this day is, you know, predominantly Latino, Spanish speaking a raw frontier and uh, this uh, uh, county was pretty much run by the, the, the characters. I don't want to get into the whole story because I'll probably mess it up as well, <laughs> but it's run by one faction and uh, they control the votes. They control the economy. They control the land but all Tunstall sees is the cost of land per acre is a fraction of what it was in Southern California. So he buys this massive cattle ranch. Uh, he has hires uh, all these characters, including Billy the Kid. Uh, I mean, these are dangerous gunfighters and, you know, just I don't want to call Billy the Kid a cutthroat because he was more of a, you know, misguided youth at the time. Right becoming and, and then became a very dangerous gunfighter. Uh, and then uh, Tunstall finds himself in short order in the middle of one of the bloodiest uh, uh, cattle wars and, and uh, political feuds and economic feuds in American history. And uh, eventually he's assassinated uh, by in the mountains uh, south of uh, Lincoln. There's still a monument. Uh, there's a marker in the middle of nowhere you right. can visit uh, marking the spot that Tunstall was murdered. And Billy the Kid and the rest of the writers are, I think they're about a mile or so, either in, some are in front of him, some are behind him, but they're not there to protect him. And his death, and these guys, Billy the Kid in particular, really, John Henry Tunstall was educated and traveled the world, and I think the kid just really admired him and looked up to him, and uh, uh, they were very loyal to him. And so his murder triggers the Lincoln County War. Uh, and so Fred... His book just opened the floodgates. This book has got to be 400 pages long, uh, 
70 pages long, just filled with details about the life and death of Tunstall. And it's just unbelievable when you think about it. Uh, I could rattle off probably a hundred names of prominent uh, characters in the Old West. They were lawmen, ranchers, outlaws, in which we don't know barely a damn thing about them. And Fred managed to get in there and put the bones on this dead man's uh, story and put the flesh on the bones. And uh, this Tunstall book really opened the floodgates. It's published by a university press. I think it's kind of hard to get a hold of today. University of New Mexico Press. It's a scholarly work. It's... uh, you know, filled with uh, the, uh, footnotes that us fanatics love. I tell everybody when I get a book, I read all the footnotes first. because uh, those are, to me, are just fascinating. It's filled with photographs. And today, uh, I'm going to get off topic just slightly, but there's a big problem with the Internet. In addition to fake news and all, and both, you know, the far left and the far right, I don't want to get political, but there's all kinds of fake uh, stuff published online because in the old days, you had to actually have a newspaper or magazine or some kind of publishing outfit to be able to publish something. And there was a, you know, sort of responsibility um, that went along with that. <clears throat> so when you read stuff in newspapers from, you know, before 20 years ago, it's generally accurate. And sure, the New York Times is pretty far left. You have to take some of what they say with a grain of salt. Other newspapers are pretty far right, and you need to take out some of the editorial slant from their reporting. And that's very true in the 19th century when you're reading that most newspapers are either a Republican or Democrat. So if a Republican lawman did something and the Democratic newspaper is lambasting him for that, you need to go look at the Republican newspaper and get both sides of the story. That's exactly what Fred did. But with the introduction of the Internet, anybody can post any baloney that they want to, including fake photographs. And when you go online today and you type in Billy the Kid and you go to Google Images, the standard uh, image of of the kid comes up, and there's only one authentic image of Billy the Kid. Uh, But then dozens of bogus images, some of them have been cleaned off the Internet because a lot of us have been complaining for quite a few years, but there's still a lot of these bogus images. Fred's photographs in his book are real. If Fred Nolan put it in his book, it's real. He found these photographs directly from the family members. He found them many, many years ago when they had no value. If you had found, there were four, the Billy the Kid tintype that's so well known, the tintype cameras took four basically identical images. The photographer would then use tin snips to cut each image, and they're small. They're about two by three inches two-and-a-half by three-and-a-half or four inches on each tintype. And so that image of Billy the Kid, it was sold to Bill Koch, the preeminent Western collector, for $2.3 million. There's actually four of those. And there was one uh, that existed. Charlie Syringo published it in his book back in the 1920s. Uh, It was reproduced as a... uh, carte de visite, uh, a paper photograph, one of those surfaced about eight years ago. And then it's been published many times as wood engravings in some of the early publications, like like the uh, National Police Gazette published it in the 1880s. And then one survived, and that's the one that Bill Koch owns. And those photos, though, if they were found in 19... 55 when fred was doing his research yeah probably was worth a hundred bucks back then but certainly not 2.3 million dollars so there was no financial incentive to fake photographs today you have all these photo fakers and some are simply enthusiastic but misguided people and others are just criminals who find an old flea market photo of a guy with a mustache, oh, it's Wyatt Earp. And I always, you know, 
jokingly state, yeah, Wyatt Earp was the only man in 1881 in the United States who had a mustache, which is, of course, ridiculous because there were probably, you know, there were millions of men in the United States with mustaches in, in 1881. So how on earth does the fact that a guy has a mustache mean that he's uh mean that he's Wyatt Earp, and how does an unshaven young man with buck teeth, uh, does that mean he must be Billy the Kid? And so Fred found photographs before they had any value, before there was any reason to fake them, and that's why the photographs in his books are, you can take them to the bank, because they're all real. And so that's the level of research uh, that uh, that he did. He even found uh, John Tunstall's Colt revolver, which was returned to the family uh, after he was murdered. And he has a photograph of that in his book as well, in addition to these incredible diaries and correspondence which uh, explain his life and uh, the events leading up to his death. I could go another hour and keep listening. I really could. It, it's crazy. Did did oh, go, go ahead. ahead? No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Did did Fred ever talk to you at at any time and say, um, you know, John, they they plagiarized my book. Somebody took it out of constant. Did he have problems with it with Americans doing that or? Or was he, like, I don't view him as a spiteful person. Um, did he have problems with it? Or was he just, I'm so glad that they're using my content to do whatever, because at least I know it's truthful and it's accurate. I'm not, he's never told me about uh, being uh, plagiarized. I've never had that discussion with him. I do know that he recognized that his books were the groundbreaking books on the Lincoln County War, and he knew that they would be cited, and that they are cited. His probably, you know, the the most uh, uh, comprehensive and broad book is the Lincoln County War documentary history, and that one uh, came out. And I'm looking at the date right now in uh, 1992. And he uh, compiled not only documents, but incredibly rare photographs showing the firsthand accounts and uh, even has reproduced, uh, speaking of accounts, a different kind of account, the account book for John Henry Tunstall. Wow showing all of his financial transactions uh, prior to his murder in the Lincoln County War. And he's got a uh, appendix, which is extremely useful. It's a chronological uh, 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 list of every event in the Lincoln County War, every single murder. Um, and anybody uh, writing about the Lincoln County War would have to start with this book. So he was aware that his books were the source. And so in that sense, I think he was proud of it. And his other book uh, uh, is called The West of Billy the Kid. And I, uh, checking just before uh, to do a little bit of background, I saw a snotty review of it by a scholarly, uh, you know, ostensibly scholarly historian, a professional historian, who wrote that it lacked, uh, that the book lacked a scholarly sophistication. But Fred's intent on doing this book, it's a large format book, and it's a pictorial history. It's got a lot of text in it, you know, so it's not just photographs, but it's a pictorial history of Billy the Kid. And what is so difficult about understanding, if you open the book up, and there's two photographs on every page. It's obviously a photographic history. It's not an interpretive uh, discussion of homicide rates 
in central New Mexico in 1881. It's a pictorial history of the most colorful character of the history of the American Southwest. And what's so difficult to understand about that? So I think there you have the opposite of your question, which is you have other historians that are jealous and they want to put down, uh, in this case, Fred Nolan's book, The West of the Billy the Kid, The West of Billy the Kid, uh, because they, they don't want to admit, hey, this is just an extremely well-researched uh, book. Uh, you know, Fred even went, he went to every place in the book. He has his own photographs in here, coupled with photographs of these obscure characters uh, who were, uh, you know, secondary characters in the uh, Lincoln County War. And so Fred, in doing his research, he would contact and meet other historians, including uh, our mutual friend Bob McCubbin. Bob was a, you know, bloodhound for finding historic photographs, uh, which is what I'm remembering because in this book, he's got these unpublished before, previously unpublished photographs of George Scarborough, who is one of the most uh, reprehensible, bloodthirsty fiends of the Lincoln County War, who later somehow became a constable in El Paso and is the guy who killed John Wesley Harden by shooting him in the back of the head. Mm -hmm. uh, John Wesley Harden being the most famous gunfighter of the Old West. Mm -hmm. And uh, But in any event, uh, Fred uh, dug and dug through family members, through museums, through collectors, through historians, both facts and photographs to illustrate his books, <clears throat> only to get a review that his book wasn't scholarly enough by somebody who didn't recognize that it was a pictorial history, a pictorial biography of Billy the Kid. Well, I'm going to change this. We only have about... 15 minutes left. And I, my gut tells me I could go for two hours and listen to you talk. Um, change subject a little bit. Fred gets off the plane, drives probably from LAX to New Mexico or wherever his research is. Did he have places where he say, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm back in the States. I've got to go here for lunch or I've got to go here for dinner because like I have friends that come from the East coast and they had right to in and out burger. Um, did he have places in tombstone or places in New Mexico or that were just favorites to visit or eat or see? I think his favorite places, I remember nothing in particular. We, uh, in <clears throat> one year, uh, me, Bob McCubbin, and Fred took a tour of Arizona. We got together with the Renegades group in Tombstone, and when that was over, we took another four or five days, and we drove down to John Slaughter's ranch down on the border near mm -hmm. Douglas. Yep. Uh, we drove and went uh, through uh, eastern Arizona, up through Rodeo, and we ate all over the place and stayed at these different places. We finally ended up up in the mountains up in the north to see the sites of some of the big gunfights in the graham Tewksbury feud. Oh, yeah. And so Fred, uh, his he was as fascinated as me because he had never been there before either. He'd never been to the Slaughter Ranch. He'd never been to the, uh, the graham Tewksbury gun battle scenes. Uh, what I do recall is in New Mexico, though, like when we went on a trip, on one of our trips, we went to Blazer's Mill, and Fred had been there multiple times, and we went to the site. He had photographs showing what it looked like, you know, in the 1880s, and then he explained the entire gunfight, where everything was, where everybody stood, that kind of thing. So he, and the same thing in Lincoln, um, <clears throat> he... Uh, knew everybody there knew him. He'd been there so many times, and we take a walking tour of Lincoln. And I remember in particular going to the lot behind one of the houses, the adobes, uh, where Sheriff Brady was ambushed and killed by Billy the Kid and other members of the so-called regulators. 
And so Fred would explain exactly, it was sort of like the tour guide. So the things that I remember with Fred were his enthusiasm for this stuff and then his ability to walk us through and and kind of, you know, show exactly how these events happened. And same thing, we went with Fred to see the uh, the tomb, or not the tomb, but the marker on the spot where John Tunstall uh, was murdered. Uh, oh, today, I believe it's easier to find it. Back then, we had a heck of a time. We wandered around up the hillside till Fred finally found the thing. Uh, kind of in a patch of weeds and bushes. <clears throat> Today, it might be better marked than it was back then. This would be 25 years ago. <clears throat> yeah, you can actually uh, pin, you can find the pin drop, and you can take a dirt road, park your car, and you can pin drop it. Um, so it has gotten easier. You got about five, uh, in five minutes, I'm going to say this, in five minutes. In five minutes, can you, I'm going to back up. A new researcher, a new historian, a new writer is coming into the folds. He's coming up through the ranks. She's coming up through the ranks. What would your recommendation be about Fred Nolan? What would you say to them that says, listen, you you can't start writing about a specific topic until you do this about Fred or research. Is there something that you would tell new historians and researchers that about Fred Nolan that is a must-do, must-see, must-read before you do anything? Yes, for those that are interested in Billy the Kid and the Lincoln County War, they should definitely uh, read his books, um, the uh, documentary history of the Lincoln County War and the West of Billy the Kid, because those are the, the Bible on Billy the Kid and the Lincoln County War. And uh, I think that by uh, starting with those books, you can branch out. And there's been more research done in recent years um, I'm not an expert on Billy the Kid of a historiography, so I'm not clear as to exactly what kind of new stuff has come to light in recent years. But you definitely would start with Fred because he's really the pioneer of the Lincoln County War. You know, Walter Noble Burns in, you know, about 1930, he came to New Mexico, he interviewed a lot of the old timers, and then he wrote his book, which is a mixture of fact and fiction. And uh, in Fred's case, and this is what's so remarkable, he was a novelist, but his books, you take them to the bank. They are scholarly, they have proper historiography, they are properly annotated, the end notes uh, explain where the uh, data comes from. So he was a scholar in addition to a novelist, and in his case, he didn't mix the two up, which has unfortunately happened. You know, a good example being Walter Noble Burns, because he was a journalist, and he also wrote fiction, and so he just fictionalized all three of his books, Mm -hmm. and Fred never did that. So I would say for any newcomer, they need to start with those two books. And if you want to read an absolutely fascinating account of, of Tunstall and how a guy came to follow the American dream and it went sideways in the most spectacular fashion you can imagine, then get the book on John Henry Tunstall. If you can get it, it's probably, it's long out of print. Hopefully uh, University of Oklahoma Press or no, New Mexico Press will release it in a paperback edition. It's just an incredible book. Fair enough. Well, I I thank John. Um, You can find John's books everywhere at booksellers, Amazon. Um, Make sure that you spell his name correctly, which my everything in my house now autocorrects it. That's how much I look up his stuff. But you can find John. His last name is B-O-E-S-S-E-N. E-C-K-E-R, just like it sounds, John Bosnecker. And he's at bookstores and Amazon and Barnes and all. He's everywhere, everywhere. You can't, 
You can't. And and my favorite, if you want to see something he was involved in, it was my favorite movie of all time, is The Gray Fox. And and I keep talking to him about doing a podcast about The Gray Fox, even though it's an old movie. An old movie, the story about Bill Miner is insane. And uh, it's just a wonderful movie. Uh, of course, my friends at the, at both of our friends, and John's going to be speaking uh, this month at the uh, Wild West Roundup, uh, Wild West History Association Roundup in Rapid City, South Dakota. He'll be there, and I can't wait to meet him. I've actually never met him. We've spoken a bunch of times. And uh, But if you want to become a member, you can do so at wildwesthistory.org. And of course, our mutual friend, Mark Boardman, uh, and Eric Wright over at the Tombstone Epitaph, Arizona's longest-running newspaper. You can get that delivered right to your door by going to tombstoneepitaph.com. And because we did mention uh, Bob Bosbell, and Bob is um, very instrumental to me. Uh, he helps me um, more than a lot of people may know, like John does. I, I reach out to John quite a bit, and I reach out to Bob, and Bob is always kind and helps me in uh, my, my podcast and, and when I have a question about something. And I can't thank Bob Bozbell enough. You can find out about Bob's art at bobbozbell.com and really become a member and a subscriber, a member of the uh, Maniac Club. Uh, that's uh, a part of the um, True West Magazine. And become a subscriber to True West Magazine at truewestmagazine.com. We did mention about... Um, Peter Brand, you can do so at uh, tombstonevendetta.com, I think, tombstonevendetta.com, uh, or you can reach out to me and I can connect you. But again, Peter uh, is a f- phenomenal, like just just writer and research and provenance and just puts together beautiful books. And then on top of that, he's Australian, and I love talking to him on the phone and uh he's got the best accent he's just the ki- and and he's the kindest nicest man soft spoken and uh and I just love him and uh and I can't thank him enough anything you want to plug sir anything no i think uh, you've heard me uh long winded enough for one day one day all right so that means we're going to have to do it again um as always i appreciate you guys please leave a rating and review if you're listening on itunes and spotify that helps me out a bunch and you can also find these podcasts on youtube uh they're audio only podcasts because a lot of folks have a difficult time with uh, connecting to itunes or to spotify or they don't understand it and so um my friend dave up in tehachapi california who um he's old he's in his 90s doesn't see too well uh, I really I do these podcasts on YouTube for him because his wife puts it on YouTube and then he can sit back and listen and get some Western history. So if you know a person who maybe is uh, is hard to see, they can't read a book too well, let them know that I'm over on YouTube at Cochise County Travels and all of the podcasts that we do are put up on YouTube as an audio only. And that really is a great way to get out um, some Western history to folks that uh, really love YouTube and may not be able to see too well, and they can't write it. They can't read a book, and so I appreciate uh, if you follow me over there at YouTube. Uh, if you need to get a hold of me, you can do so through my blue collar email at HVAC Reefer Guy. That's H V A C R E F E R because I do air conditioning and refrigeration for a living at HVAC Reefer Guy at Gmail dot com. As always, uh, great talking to you. Glad that uh, you're here and safe travels and we'll see you next time.